Hi, welcome to the Swift Talk, a podcast where a certified Swifty, that would be me, Kate, attempts to convert a non-Swifty. That would be me, not-so-Swift Sam. Each week, we listen to a random Taylor Swift song and talk about it. We're coming to you from WSCA Radio, an independent radio station that's so much cooler than yours. In beautiful Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Today, we're kicking things off with Taylor's first single, Tim McGraw, because you need to know where you started to see where you're going. That's his country music radio voice, I think. We're going to hit pause, listen to the song, and we'll be back. So, Sam. Hello. New favorite song? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to just uh, take a quick moment real quick to just say we have a wonderful producer with us, Jason. Jason, thank you for uh, braving this journey with us as I don't know if you're a Taylor Swift fan or not, but you are in this with me and Kate. So. You're absolutely welcome. <laughs> we promise not to drag you into too many of our fights. Thank you very much. So, Kate, I, I don't know where to even begin. Well, I mean, we have to start with the song came out 15 years ago. Okay, and she was 15 at the time. Ish. It, okay, so this is where I, I think... I think that, she's 31 now, or soon to be 31. I think that something that I'm 32. going to understand is that Taylor Swift does not understand time correctly or measurements of time. Are we already going to start with the eras? No, no I don't, I don't want to. Okay, so if you are like me, you don't know what that means, but now I know what that means and I have to pull the curtain back. If you're a Swifty, you understand what eras means and you're wrong. But this is apparently, I have talked to Kate about this. I've talked to two of your very good friends who are also self-proclaimed Swifties. Mm -hmm. And according to... A Swifty. A Taylor Swift era is everything and nothing because it's either she changed her wardrobe between these periods or her hairstyle, or it's every era is three albums plus a tour, or it's an album and a tour and then the re-release, or it's a secret clue of Easter eggs. And yep. it, like the eras yep. of Taylor Swift don't make sense to my, my big boy brain. All right. Well, let's start slow. Right now we're in the debut era. Okay. Which is what we call her namesake album. Okay. First era. First. Oh, okay. So is it the debut era or the first era? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Hence, debut. Okay. And an era is just times of albums. So that's how we, because Taylor is constantly reinventing herself and constantly challenging herself to grow musically, each album changes slightly or massively depending on which era we're in. So this is her first one. She wanted to be a country music star. She had an after-school job writing country music songs on Nashville's Music Row. All right. She actually wrote this song in her math class. She wrote this song in her math class. I can appreciate that and understand that. Yes, yeah. definitely. I don't know how old your blue jeans can be as a 15-year-old growing woman, but I What will... if she went and, you know, was sustainable and bought them at a thrift store? Uh, you have think... no idea. Like, Sister of the Traveling Pants was probably big then. You have no idea. I have I have no idea. I didn't know country was so sustainable friendly. I had no idea that was recycled material. Chevy truck, sure. I get Chevy trucks. <laughs> I got my Chevy truck and my John Deere. Little black dress, little white dress. I got my sense. head on his chest. And it, it's it's just it just seems like this is somebody who's 15 years old and is writing for any age after 18 and after. Well, she's writing about something that didn't work out. Like she was in this relationship. 
it ended. He moved away. It's the what could have been. Like I hope you think of me. Oh, in okay. The... He moved away. Yeah, he. I moved thought away. she moved away. Uh, uh, what, uh, what was the back for the first time since then? I thought she since was. Since he back. dumped her. This is a song written to the person, like ex boyfriend. Ex boyfriend. He dumps her and moves away. Right. So she was a freshman. He was a senior. He ended the relationship to go to college. And she was in the bleachers. No, we're not there yet. Okay. This this just seems like a Pete and Pete, like, 1990s type of... She was 15. I'm not, I'm not making... No, I'm just saying, this is where my head is going. Like, I'm relaying this to, like, when was I close to 15? When was... Like, in the 90s, I was going on 10. But at the same point, like, I just feel like that 90s era is, like, the motif of this song. Well, yeah. I mean, it's very nostalgic. If you think about it, she's talking about, you know, this guy moved on with his life. She's still there. Does he going to think of her fondly in the future? Is he going to have things that remind him of her? Is he going to be able to listen to Tim McGraw and not think of her? And that's, I think. That- I mean, to be fair, you're probably never going to listen to Taylor Swift again and not think of me. That's okay. And that's, that's very true. And I think that's, that's a cool thing about this is I feel like it is the double-edged sword. When you think happiness, I hope you think that little black dress, like, okay, the next time I hear Taylor Swift song, I'm going to think of Kate, but what happens down the road when I hear on the radio again, a Taylor Swift song, like of Kate and I, like, is our friendship and like podcasting still going? Did we like have a big fight and Jason had to like stop us from killing each other? Like what happens? Do I think like, is it bitter or is it sweet? Because like that line happiness and like, I hope you think my little black dress what if this guy's like, I'm happy. Oh my God, that dress. It's like instantly crushed again. Well, I think there's a part of you that when somebody ends a relationship, you always want them to think of you fondly or like, oh, did I miss out or what could have been if I hadn't? I think she's tapping into that. I think everyone that's ended a relationship with me is happy to have done so. I actually know that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's... I, like she's got it down. Like at fifteen, like she's been writing songs. Let's say two, three years. Yeah, I mean, like, she's probably been writing songs in some way, shape, or form since she could probably write. Right. I think that's huge. I mean, like I'm a in the before times. Uh, this is this is August for everyone who's just tuning in now into our <laughs> podcast, which has been playing for the past twenty minutes, fifteen minutes. Uh, we are recording this now. We're releasing this in a later date. So you might be listening to this in the winter. You might be listening to this underneath the Georgia styes, thinking of Taylor Swift's blue eyes. We don't know. But right now, we're, we're, we are recording this in a post-lockdown world. Post-lockdown. And yeah, hopefully post, still hopefully, post-lockdown hopefully still when you po- listen to us. Tune in if you are still locked inside your bunker. Hopefully we don't have to figure out how to do this remotely with Jason. <laughs> Jason, can you come in here and help, please? Uh, it, it's it, in the before times. I was a traveling performer i was a comedian i was doing stage shows senior stage i saw you perform before i knew you yes that i think which Mm -hmm. is really cool i think it's i think that's the big thing is like this is somebody who at an early age was like i'm a writer i'm gonna go out there i'm gonna do this and some people it's you know you have your supportive parents you're writing this let's get you into a recording studio let's get you onto a stage sometimes it's like you know i'm i want to be a writer or i want to be a musician so like ah, here i am in new england i gotta move to la I got to become a, a, a musician out in LA. And then they're like, ah, oh, this didn't work out. So they go to New York and then they're like, I'm going to become a writer now. Or like these things constantly. Well, I think this is kind of the beauty of Taylor Swift. And I think this speaks a lot to Taylor's parents. She wanted, she knew from a young age that she was talented. She wanted to follow her dreams. They packed up their Christmas tree farm, I think in Pennsylvania. They moved down to Nashville. They got her into the right places. They got her a writing contract. These parents knew what they were doing. And they clearly have known what they were doing because they guided her from 
15 to almost 32 without any sort of pitfalls. You didn't have a Britney moment. You didn't have a Miley moment. You didn't have an Ariana Grande, like, bunny suit, wild departure from Disney moment. And I think her parents really, like, this song could be written by a 15-year-old. It could be written by a 25-year-old. But it's not pushing any boundaries where you're going to be questioning whether or not her parents are making her grow up too fast. Right. Like, this is a a nice, happy. Yeah. Like, you can say, I, I even fluffy, not to, like, discredit, but, like, it's just a bubbly, nice song. Yeah, it's like a... Oh, we broke up and I'm sad, but maybe you'll still love me later. (laughs) But she actually, when she wrote this, didn't even think it would be a single. She went in to her, she got signed by Big Machine Records, which we'll get into Big Machine Records and other songs because obviously she's no longer with Big Machine Records and is re-recording everything. But she wrote this and went in and played it on a ukulele thinking... Hey, like, I wrote this fun little song. It took me about 15 minutes. What do you think? Oh, it's going to be like a little B-side or something. Yeah, or yeah. like a filler. You got to get to 13 songs. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that's your single. And she went, okay. I feel like now that you've said that, maybe her debut album should have been called 13 Going on 30. Well, 13's her lucky number. So 13 comes through a lot in the Taylor Swift lexicon. Okay, she's 13 years old. She writes 13 songs. She's writing it as a 13-year-old who's a 30-year-old. Her next album gets her to 30 songs, and then she does 13 out. I'm trying to do the I math. I mean, we're going to have to do some math. We're gonna have math to do some is math. not our strong suit. We'll do that for the next episode. We'll get back to you. It's because we were too busy writing songs in math class. That's why math is not our strong suit. Wouldn't you love to be able to blame the fact that you still aren't great at math because you were writing your debut single that ended up turning you into Taylor Swift? Yeah. Imagine being like, ah, oh, if, if only. <laughs> <laughs> if only I could tell that to my math teacher as to why I don't know algebra. I'm sure that would go over better. Kids, if you're listening, blame Taylor Swift for not good math skills or language skills. Blame me for language skills. Blame Taylor for math skills. See, I told you Taylor was a bad influence. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think it's like, it's an interesting start off to put this 16-year-old girl there singing about getting, you know, love ending or what she thinks love is at 16 and then to see it evolve through her career. Well, I mean, you know the lexicon of Taylor Swift more than I do. Yes, I've listened I to singles. I understand an era. Uh, we'll get we'll get to that. Uh, and yeah, in the because of these era. math skills, you understand era. No, but okay. So <laughs> Taylor Swift clearly has her own math now. The new math. The, new, the Taylor math. Okay. You know what? I think this is uh, the new math. The, Taylor Swift has her own math, and according to you, she also has her own language of <laughs> images. Which is her Easter eggs. I've been trying to... Okay, so this is actually where the Easter eggs start. Debut single, debut liner notes, Easter eggs. And she would leave little hints about what the song was about in her liner notes because she wanted people to read the liner notes, which I think is kind of brilliant. And I I miss liner notes. I miss reading through it and seeing... Yeah, I, like you don't get that on Spotify. No, I'm the same way. Like when I was a kid, video games, I loved to open up whatever box it was in and read the manuals, read through the little stories and stuff they would write that aren't in the games. Because we're nerds. Because we're nerds, and yeah. it's huge. So Taylor would leave messages, like little hints about what she's doing, and you make fun of this, and you make fun of all of us for being crazy, and all the Swift fans like winding ourselves up. She created these monsters. Dan Brown conve- <laughs> c- created the Da Vinci Code, and there's millions of films and blockbusters, and Tom Cruise is you know unraveling ancient Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. 
<laughs> no, let's play the game. Which Tom is this? Is it Tom Cruise or Tom Hanks? I mean, for our purposes, we really only care about Hiddleston. Oh, okay. I'm, that's yeah. Okay, Loki was a boyfriend. But we're not right? in that era yet. <laughs> How many boyfriends constitute an era? Well, we're not that. We're not going to do that to her. She's writing about what she. You don't do that to Stevie Nicks. No, of course not, because you know it was Lindsay Buckingham who she made write Torture. every single she song tortured. and sing backups on. Stevie Nicks tortured Lindsay Buckingham. Tortured him. Yes. Made him sing about what a horrible human being he is in front of millions of people. And millions more will listen to it in perpetuity. And we think Taylor's too hard on the men she dated. Oh, God. The, we celebrate Stevie for this, but we're going to vilify Taylor. No, no, no. I, I agree. I agree. We should this not be. This is crazy I agree, to I me. <laughs> I was talking with uh, people at work about Fleetwood Mac the other day, and there, one of them said, "Like, did you like ever hear about the uh, schedule that they had when they're doing the rumors tour?" And it was essentially that the producers, their roadies, like everyone that was their handler. Had to be like, okay, we're going from the hotel to the restaurant. We're going from the restaurant to here. Then we're getting on the bus. We're going to here. We're performing. Like they had to keep them so regimented to keep them all sober because they had so many tours of just like, we're going out for dinner at seven o'clock. And at seven in the morning, they get back to the hotel and they're like, we're ready to record now. <laughs> we can go our own way. Is this why we record at 10 o'clock in the morning? I think this is why we record at 10 o'clock in the morning. No wine in the podcast studio booth. So the the Dan Brown cryptography, the Right, like Taylor Dan Brown Swift. has made an empire out of it. Right. Dan Brown is giving your boss taxidermied peacocks. Allegedly. Allegedly. They are signed from a secret admirer. Well, that's true. I mean, Dan Brown doesn't do anything other than exist to write books. Are you telling me that inside these taxidermied peacocks <laughs> that Dan Brown allegedly gave my boss, is there a clue? Is there a clue to a third peacock? I think maybe there's a clue to the next Taylor Swift era. We don't know. Maybe Dan Brown and Taylor Swift are friends. All right. So you were talking to me. Okay. Let's talk about this next Taylor Swift era because I think the big thing is I'm not making fun of people for nerding out on trying to discover what Taylor's wants to lead you to. I think that's I think that's awesome and that's great. What I will say is she's not creating monsters. The monsters have made themselves and they are blaming Taylor for we read into yeah. this, which isn't there. We we decrypted is, this code no, that's not there. She literally, let's take it a, a week ago. So beginning of August for time frame, since this is not coming out until September. But beginning of August, she released a word search for us to figure out her vault tracks for her re-recording of Red. Yes, you've showed me the TikToks. Yes, because TikTok is my favorite thing to send you. You send me YouTubes. I send you maximum three-minute videos. You send me 10-minute videos that you don't understand. Time. It, listen, th this, these are, consider it like a, a song in a Taylor Swift era. That's what I'm sending you. I'm sending you a song in a Taylor Swift era. It's one out of the possible X amount of hours and days and lives you can I live. cannot wait to make you listen to the 10-minute all too well when it comes out. I don't know what that means, but I understand uh, 10 minutes. I know. No, I think, look, okay, finding the little word search of which song Not finding, be on it. She literally threw a bunch of letters at us and said, figure out my vault songs. And this is following on her fearless re-record when she sent us a word scramble. It got figured out too quickly. So she's like, I'm going to make this harder. Pumped it up on social media. Her Easter eggs are a marketing tool. It's keeping her fans engaged. It's giving them access to her. It's feeling like she is 
part of this. She's a friend of ours. And I think that's awesome. I think I think that is beautiful and great and intelligent. What I don't think is great and beautiful and intelligent is somebody sees seven sunflowers on a tweet and they go, oh, that means April 30th. She's dropping this album. Well, technically, the sunflowers are from the lover era. Oh and the April 30th was the Woodville album, which I'm still not entirely convinced we're not getting a third album in the Folklore Trilogy. I love how I can just say a random thing and you will tie it to Taylor in... I'm guessing you're correct, but I did not think sunflowers <laughs> is actually something that she... It was actually palm trees, but it was close <laughs> okay, enough. Okay, okay great. <sighs> well, if if you were a Dan Brown novel, which Taylor Swift album would you be? <laughs> I would be red, obviously. <laughs> if you were a taxidermied bird showing up in Massimo's, what taxidermy bird would you be? Big bird. Big bird. <laughs> Isn't big bird already taxidermied? Okay, I don't think that's true. I think that if you are looking at it deeply, which is the wrong way, uh, you shouldn't. Just look at it as, I want a taxidermied bird, and that bird is Big Bird. A Big Bird or Big Bird from the Sesame Street? Big Bird from Sesame Street. Tall and yellow. Tall and yellow. I can it see this. It is a Big Bird. This, tra <laughs> this tracks. <laughs> I used to tell my grandfather when we were at a funeral that uh, I didn't want to be buried. I want to be turned into the Chuck E. Cheese robotic uh, animatronic. I watched, like I said, that would be great. And then he explained to me what an Irish funeral was. And I was like <laughs> terrified, but also excited. I was like, oh, I'm going to have the best funeral in the world at seven. Are there still Chuck E. Cheese's? Did Chuck E. Cheese go out of business? I th if it didn't pre-pandemic, did it po like, can you have a Chuck E. Cheese now in a post-pandemic world? Like, do kids still jump into ball pits with other kids? Uh, maybe not, not here. Not around here, they don't. No, they got rid of that one. They did. It's a Bernie and Phil's now. Oh, that's right. It's a Bernie and Phil's, yeah. It's just like a Chuck E. Cheese for grown-ups. Okay, what's more Chuck E. Cheese for grown-ups, Bernie and Phil's or Ikea? Well, Ikea, but we Ikea, you have to assemble it. Bernie and Phil's just delivers it. What if you had to build, what if, I think this is this is the new million-dollar scheme is uh, where you have like your crash rooms, like throw bottles and destroy the smash things. I'm yeah. obsessed. Yeah. I just went. What if it was like, okay, we're renting this room for your kid's party. When your kids show up, they get to build whatever they want to play with. like From Ikea? <laughs> from Ikea. I mean, I feel like parents are missing out on this one. Like, you have kids, teach them to build Ikea things as, like, a homeschooling. Yeah. And then they'll make their album in math class instead of learning <laughs> trigonometry. But they will know how to build Ikea furniture. <laughs> That's a life skill I should have gotten in high oh, school. Oh, my God. It's not home ec anymore. It's Ikeanomics. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> I feel like Taylor would have done, like, would have probably been building an Ikea dresser, and that's how we would have gotten, like, the second single. Like, she's in math class, she's bored, it comes to mind, so now she's going to be building this dresser that she needed for redecorating her bedroom for the song that you love to sing. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's, we're in a different era on that one. Shake It Off is a different... No, Shake It Off, Shake It Off is, like, a totally different genre by the time we get there. Okay. Talking about the short skirt song. Okay. Same or short shorts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that one. She, uh, He Belongs to Me. Was that yes. the name of that? He Belongs. Sam wear short short. Yeah. Sam wear short jorts. Short jorts. Cargo sh short jorts. So if this is Ikea, mm -hmm. let's say all of her albums are the Ikea albums, and now she's doing the re-release. What she's trying to do is say, like, I've given you the pieces. I've built this myself. And you're saying it's yours. So now she is. she's the person who said it's not Philip's head. Or flathead screws. I'm now making these hexag hexagonal screws, and you can rebuild like, it with these screws. I think you're looking at this a little bit the wrong way. 
it would be a collaboration. So it would be like an Ikea collaborated with. A Bernie and Phil's. A Bur- no, like Ikea collaborated with the designer. So okay. like, let's say producer Jason is the guy that designs all of the Ikea models. Okay. He realizes that he's not allowed to ever own his own designs again. He can't buy them. He is to pay full price. Mm-hmm. He's not really profiting off them. Everybody else is getting richer and richer and richer off of his life's work. His Everything he has done, he poured it. He made exactly what he needed. It, it represented a really important time, poured his heart and soul into it, and he will never, ever own it outright by himself. And when he asked to buy it back or to earn it, they said, you can earn it back, give us a new album, and then you can get one back for every album you record. Ooh, but okay. we're going to own the album that you put through. Yeah. which is just... So you're just in a hamster wheel of trying to get your work back, mm-hmm. which, I mean, she took on Apple and Spotify. I don't think taking on a record company is going to phase her much. Right. So she said, no, thank you. And because she wrote every single song she's ever done, she has writing credit on every single song. Isn't that almost blackmail? Believe oh. that it is blackmail. Yes. It's a, uh, what do you call it? Coup de tete. Like, uh, it's it's this uh, the ideology behind it of being like we will have you under the thumb you'll you'll eventually earn your freedom you'll get these back of course but constantly make us something one for one after we already are 13 ahead of you that's yeah. impossible that is blackmail and well, it's it's this it's this white collar form of blackmail if taylor swift mm-hmm. cannot own her own work then how are you going to own if you put out a comedy cd and it gets released by Big Machine Records. How are you ever going to own your jokes? Or I mean, you bring up Dave Chappelle all the time when yeah. we talk about this. Well, Dave Chappelle went through it. Prince went through this. Prince is the the one Prince? of the biggest ones who's in the same scheme. And it was Warner Brother Records, and they essentially own not only your material, all of all of your work from late sixties forward. Like this is post Batman. He's going through this big lawsuit with them because that was the whole big thing. He recorded the Batman soundtrack. For Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, um, that film. And then they said, no, we're going with the Danny Elfman instrumental as the main album. And it was this whole back and forth about who's getting what. And they're like, listen, doesn't matter. We own you. Thanks for your opinion. And they finds out that he owns his name, Prince Joseph. Prince is his artist's name. They own that name. He's not allowed to do. And Chappelle was the same thing. He said, I'm going to do a show called The Dave Chappelle Show. And Comedy Central says, no, you can't. doesn't matter if it's for HBO or anybody else. We own Chappelle's show. So anything with your name on it, we own in perpetuity across and throughout the universe. I think Taylor doesn't have that problem because her parents were a little bit more savvy. She had the, I mean, for lack of a better word, privilege of parents who could kind of foresee a few challenges she was going to get into. But now that she's made this commonplace and mainstream, Kelly Clarkson's the one that told her, to re-record, which I think is Huge. kind of fun. Yeah. But it's because she's got these fans with their Easter eggs who are already very invested. And Taylor has built these relationships. She does meet and greet. She lurks on social media. She sends fans huge Christmas gifts out of nowhere. People can't even figure out how she found them, much Seriously? less. Yeah. And I mean, she had a, f- I mean, you hear countless stories of fans who have terminal illnesses or are very sick, and Taylor donates to their GoFundMe's and you know, she's very invested in her fans and her fans in turn are very invested in her. And that's, I think, why her re-recording strategy works. I don't think her re-recording strategy is a sustainable idea for others because it didn't work for Prince. No. It's uh, also a different time. You don't have the same social media. You don't have the same 
connection. Like you're not following them on Instagram, feeling like you guys are close friends because you see what she's doing every day. Right. But her being able to re-record and get whipping everybody up into a frenzy is absolutely heightened by the fact that we're all on TikTok and Twitter and Instagram and to a lesser extent Facebook. But you know, you're watching these people form a community to support her because they feel she's been wronged. Yeah. And it all started with a 15 year old girl <laughs> in her math class <laughs> writing about. I mean, poor Tim McGraw. I've, he, I just saw an interview with him, and he was like, wasn't really excited that there's a song named after me does that mean i've peaked that i'm down on the downward end of this am i not cool anymore is, am, am this, i nostalgic now is not this relevant this the peak of taylor swift <laughs> i highly doubt that don't think but there's so many Taylor are we still on the rise of the taylor swift civilization or are we in the decline now well it depends on what she does after the re-records maybe after the re-record she can retire and live a happy life no no don't retire never retire never stop she can do whatever makes her happy, Sam. As you remind me all the time. I just mean in general. I love. I love. Uh, one of my favorite jokes is uh, uh, Maria Bamford, and she. Uh, everyone asks her like, "Oh, what are you doing? What's your next thing? What's your next thing?" And she goes, "I'm no, I'm done. I finished early. I'm done. Just telling everyone like you're finished." If if Taylor Swift today was like, "Everyone, thank you so much. I'm actually going to stop." All of her fans would explode. Everything would sell out. They'd all be buying everything. They'd be reaching out again. They'd be trying to figure out the clues. And then she'd be like, you know, I'm coming back. And then it would skyrocket again. An author I love, Ellen Hildebrandt, writes Summer Beach Reads set in Nantucket. I think she's written 30-ish novels. She was doing two a year for five or six years, seven years. Just announced that she's got three novels left and then she's retiring. And the internet kind of freaked out a little bit. Fans couldn't understand why she wouldn't continue to write. And she went on to her Instagram and was like, I've been doing this for so long. This has been more than a full-time job for me for so long, for 30 bucks, 20 years. She's got kids. She's got a life. She lives on Nantucket year-round, and she's writing all summer to get these books out. I think we forget about artists having to create what they're putting out there. I agree with you, and this kind of goes back to what I disagree with the Taylor Swift fans on when it came to that. You disagree with Taylor Swift fans? I do on many. But it's like, a very brave statement. Th listen, this if this is my hill I'm dying on, I don't think it's a bad hill to die on because I agree with you that there is a certain thing that happens with fandoms mm -hmm. where I've I've bought the book or the album, I've watched the film. I I this is a part of my life. I really enjoy this. I'm passionate about this. But that sometimes these people believe ownership over the creator slash content. Right. I think you see that a lot of places. I think, yeah. But I think her fans are definitely, you're going to bring up well, August it, 30th. Yes. Yep. August 30th was this big, A day which will live in infamy. <laughs> you and I are having lunch and we're talking about this. And for days you were telling me the Easter eggs are here. People are seeing these things. She's She just dropped a re-release. She's going to do a new album. Is that what I think? Was the this yes. April 1st supposed to be the new album? This is, actually, this is a conversation that started the idea for the podcast. Yes, because it was, uh, what was Evermore and what's the other well, one? Folklore came okay. out Fol out of nowhere. Pandemic hits. Taylor posts a picture. Not a lot going on at the moment, which we all related to. Yeah. And then she out of nowhere. She album at home. She, yeah, record with like, and this is a departure album again. And she always likes a departure album. You have 1989, which is a departure album. In some ways, Reputation's a departure album. Then you get back to Lover, which feels a lot more like a Taylor pop music. And now we're in this like whole folky storytelling has nothing to do with her. And on her second surprise album that we got in less than a year, she puts 
another name on the album cover. It says Woodvale. So we all assume there's got to be a Woodvale. Right. And yes, we wound ourselves up, but lead a horse to water, it's going to drink. Don't be the horse in this situation. Be the person who has the reins. You have the reins of your own grasp on reality. And I think that trying to peer pressure. Slightly grasp. Slight grasp. Over the course of. A few weeks, millions of people are tweeting at her and at each other and saying it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, and it doesn't happen. But I don't think that's peer pressure. I think that's a marketing strength of hers because she is constantly relevant. We're still talking about her. It's more streams. She's got all sorts of albums still on the Billboard Hot 100 that were... Red is still on there. Go yeah, back no, on. she can be Next the genius. genius. I have no problem with her being the genius. I have the problem with everyone else saying, no, this was owed. This was promised. Why I don't is this, think this we're saying it was owed. We were really excited, the anticipation, and then we were a little let down. But then she gives us something out of the blue, and you're happy again. It's just, it's a way to keep everybody kind of talking about her with, without her having to create all of her own content. We have to create all of our own content. Yeah. And we've already jumped so many eras that we started at debut, and here we are at the end of the road. So maybe we should roll the dice and see what we're going to do next week, but we don't have the dice Apropos. So Kate and I, after this episode, we are going to randomly listen to a Taylor Swift song. As a nerd, I asked her if I could use my dice to roll out which song we're going to do. Starting next apparently there's a game where you have like a 20-sided dice, which I don't understand how that's possible, but... There's there's many games with it, and if you're talking about Dungeons and Dragons, it's my passion. So what we're going to do from here on out, the formula will be, Kate and I will randomly roll for the album and song of Taylor Swift, and from there, we will enjoy it again off the podcast, we will stream it, and then we will start the discussion again from there. Yeah. So since we don't have the dice, we are going to, I guess, pick up from the, a random number generator, one right. through nine, because we didn't get... Number 10. I got, see which album we're going to do next. Three. Oh. Okay. Taylor Swift's third album. I'll yeah, pull that up. Which is Speak Now. Okay. okay. You pick up the song list, the track list. Tell me how many tracks are on there. Speak Now is my second favorite. Speak, speak Now was 2010. Yeah. Jeez Louise, 11 years ago. All right. Waiting for words to load. Oh my gosh. <laughs> One day Sam's going to catch up to the rest of us and get a phone. That's. I'm still on a rotary. So it's better than an Android. All right. There are 14 songs on the standard edition. There are 16 on the Japanese standard edition. <laughs> we could do 14. All right. We're doing 14. The last one, number 14. Long Live. Oh. The song is Long Live. All right. So you're going to want to tune in to our next episode where we'll be talking about Long Live from Taylor Swift's Speak Now. And until next time, I'm Kate. I'm not so swift, Sam. And thanks so much for joining us today. 